0: Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Word Processing. My name is Josiah and I'm here with Andrew and we both have the privilege of serving as pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. As has often been said on this podcast, the goal of this recording is to help us grow in being not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And to do that, to those ends, we typically revisit a Sunday sermon and spend some extra time exploring its implications for our lives today. And this week is no exception, as Andrew, you brought us a message from Psalm 29 this past week. I'm wondering if we can start there by you just unpacking or summarizing that psalm for us, the one that you walked us through on Sunday.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just how you're right. It was Psalm 29. And uh, many have referred to this psalm as a hymn of praise, uh, specifically calling us to worship the God that we worship and giving us inspiration and, and reasoning behind the worship that we offer. So the way I broke it down on Sunday was to refer to the first two verses as a what, the next seven as a why, and the last two as a now what. So the first two were, what does God deserve? And we see in that section commands commands to worship him to ascribe or give or acknowledge glory and strength to God to worship him the way he deserves to be worshipped simply because of who he is the next seven verses are the why well why do we worship God it's because of who he is but here's David's sort of further imagery description of that power of that glory of that strength that God has that's both far-reaching and limitless really in its scope and then finally I went to a bit of a now what. Now what do we do with all this? How do we put this into practice or what do we how do we respond to knowing that God is this glorious and this strong? And these last two verses describe God as this eternal sovereign king. It talks about him being enthroned from the flood and being enthroned forevermore and that he's made promises to his people. So I consider that an invitation for those who hear this psalm to trust in God, to believe that he is eternally sovereign, which again draws us to worshiping him in our trust, in our actions, and awaiting the promises that he's made that he will enforce or bring about due to the fact that he cannot lie.
1: Now the psalm opens this way. It says in verses 1 and 2, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord. In holy array. So, I want to begin by talking about this idea that opens the psalm, that of ascribing or giving glory and strength to a God who already has immeasurable amounts of both. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that exactly work? What would it look like for me to do that? And what is my motivation for doing it?
0: Yeah, I really liked as I was studying this passage, one translation says acknowledge in place of ascribe, because ascri- ascribing is really, yes, it's giving, but it's also acknowledging it's it's ascribing value it's it's putting on God something that he might already have as well as the idea of giving to him what he deserves from what we have so in terms of how do we do this i talked about the idea that we really give all that we have to offer even though what god has is without need and far surpassing what we could ever come up with ourselves you know you and i don't have Glory or strength that even comes in any kind of comparison with what God has because His is limitless. And yet we have the motivation, which I'll talk about in a moment, to give God anything that we have. So whether that's acknowledging His glory, acknowledging His strength, or using what strength we have to put on Him or for His purposes, giving glory to God can, you know, how would we use that phrase? It would be, you know, acknowledging that anything that i can say or do of eternal value is because of god's spirit within me because of the power that god has Mm -hmm. or that he's given to me or that he's it's really again this acknowledgement of who god is and what he can do and that leads to our motivation i think the motivation in this case is multifold it's first of all because he deserves it so that verse that you read there talks about ascribing glory and strength to his name And we talked about on Sunday that God's name isn't just talking about, oh, because his name is Yahweh or because whatever, but that is a sort of a placeholder for his entire identity. It's who God is that deserves glory and strength. And so the motivation is because of who God is, because he deserves it, because of what he gives us, the gifts that he lavishes upon us, whatever glory and strength that we have. And quite frankly, in this section, these are imperatives It's because we're commanded to. Part of the motivation is, Because we need to. God deserves it. God gives us great gifts. We might even want to, but we're also commanded to. So part of being obedient is ascribing to
1: God glory and strength. You may have already answered this, at least in part, but how is this God calling for his worship and recognition of who he is, not egotistical?
0: That's a great question. I mean, because he's God. And I know that maybe sounds like a a cop-out answer and it probably is and maybe you can give a a better one in a moment, but... I'm asking you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because he is not an egotistical God. It's because of his character. He is the creator and deserves to do whatever the heck he wants with us because he is the all-powerful outside of space, outside of time. There is no such thing as as ego in a God that is holy and a God that is perfect and a God that is all-glorious. Because he deserves far more than we could ever ask or imagine in that case.
1: Yeah, I guess the question kind of betrays some underlying presuppositions. This idea of egotism kind of assumes pride. Mm -hmm. And we would say pride is sin. You know, an egotistical person is a prideful, sinful person and a God who is devoid of all sin and pride. When he demands worship or calls for worship or invites us to worship, it's actually for our good that we come into his presence and worship him in the way he desires to be worshiped
0: yeah and i think there might be something in there too to be said about the fact that as i kind of alluded to on sunday even the best we have to offer is nothing in comparison to what he already has he deserves to yeah what he deserves what he is owed and i think yeah it's not like it would be maybe different if we were trying to even the playing field or we were trying to level ourselves up or, or match what he has given us in some way shape or form but instead it's The opposite, in fact, is it's a call to just give everything knowing that it's not enough. I mean, that's part of the gospel message, right, is that we could do everything, give our very lives, and that's still not enough because we are not perfect. We are not holy.
1: So in light of this fact that God is more powerful and glorious than we can ever comprehend and we are being called in this psalm, Psalm 29, to at least acknowledge and respond in kind, What do you suppose is the reason we so often lose sight of God's glory and power? I mean, how is it possible that we normalize such majesty and how can we protect ourselves from that apathy?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a number of reasons, maybe depending on the person. I think the big kind of easy answer here is the cultural obsession with self. So whether it's self-sufficiency, I can do this on my own, or me focused, everything right we have self-help how do you do this by yourself self-made we talk about self-made people as though that's a great thing like i'm a i'm a self-made man and, you know i really pulled myself up by my bootstraps i've worked hard i've earned everything that i've accomplished but again it puts the onus back on self and on me it's all about what we can do ourselves what we can accomplish in our own strength obviously talking here a bit more about the worldly culture but even within the church sometimes we can have this idea that well God might not help us, so we have to do our part or we have to live our lives or do this action assuming that God doesn't care or assuming that God's not going to involve himself in that. I don't think we'd ever necessarily say that, but I think sometimes functionally we end up living more like fatalists than those who actually believe that there's a God who's sovereign, who cares, who has providence. I think sometimes, and this wouldn't be the case with everyone, but we may have known people who pendulum to the other side that they see miracles in everything. I know I've struggled with this sometimes. I think personally that it can seem almost, I don't even know the right word for it because I don't want to say obnoxious, but we have this idea, it can seem kind of awkward sometimes where every single thing that someone happens, something happens, we know that person who ascribes that to the Lord, that, oh yeah, this is because of God. God blessed me this way. This was a miracle. It was miraculous that this happened. And I think to my downfall, I've sometimes pendulumed away from that to the point of saying, I don't want to assign anything to God's providence because I don't want to assume that this is actually God. Or I don't want to come across that way that every single thing has to be because of God's hand. And yet, even as I say these words, it feels awkward saying that because that sounds so irreverent. Would I not rather be the person that ascribes so much more, assumes so much more of God's providence Mm -hmm. than the person who says uh, this was just me, or this was just nature, or this was just fate. But I think sometimes that can seep into
1: our our lifestyle. And James says every good gift comes down from the Father of Lights. So we recognize that in God's providence, he does provide all these things. But maybe in my fallenness, I can feel like if everything is a gift from God, then nothing's a gift from God. Yeah. and I'm kind of watering down his providence. And yet a God who is inexhaustible in his worthiness of worship, he deserves all of it. It's me that falters in giving him the praise he's due and keeping the pedal to the metal of that praise, I falter and pull back and fail to see his glory and his power on display in every single moment of my life and all the minutia of my life and everything else. I fail in those ways. I'm just wondering why that is. and I guess to follow up on the previous question, how would you pass me toward protecting myself from that apathy, from falling into that kind of normalcy of God's power and providence? Yeah, I think part of it is doing what we did on Sunday,
0: taking a moment to remind ourselves. Yeah. David could have, well, I don't want to say it necessarily that way because again, David was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so what he did was perfect in how he how he wrote, but in some ways like he could have stopped after the first couple verses. He could have just said, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, why because of because he's God, because of who he is, worship him right, worship him in holy attire, do it properly. But instead he goes into this seven verse illustrative tangent about just how majestic how glorious how powerful god is as fuel for the fire you know we sometimes just need a spark but sometimes we need those thick logs burnt on there or thrown on the fire rather and i think any opportunity we have to remind ourselves of the the kind of call that who God is remind ourselves what God can do, remind ourselves the promises of God, remind ourselves the extent of his strength. Obviously there's so much more David can and, and does in fact, throughout the Psalms, write so many more words describing God's character and describing God's power and his glory and his strength. But it never hurts to take some time to just remind ourselves. And I think that's a huge boon against apathy is just forcing ourselves reading again and again taking in those words I talked about on Sunday, how often it is for someone like me, who's been around the church for a while, and many of our listeners, I'm sure, to just sing along because you remember the tune, you remember the song, you're not actually taking in the words or saying, well, start taking in the words a bit. That can be good reminders too. What do I actually mean when I say this phrase, when I talk about, you know, the blessed assurance that I have in God, when I talk about God being the holy, holy, holy God, what does that actually mean? So really
1: forcing yourself to engage with what's coming in and what's going out. And you actually gave us some ways to do this as you mm-hmm. closed the sermon on Sunday. And so I want to spend the rest of our time applying Psalm 29 in the way that you suggested. First, you suggested that we praise God this week for something about who he is, something about his character. I'm wondering, what was your choice when you did that, Andrew? I know that as a preacher, you probably apply it to yourself first before you bring it to the congregation. So for you, how did mm-hmm. you do that?
0: Yeah, for me, it's, it's God's sovereignty. And I hit on this in the sermon briefly and on the, actually the last sermon I did on, on the Psalms as well. I like being in control or rather I don't like when I'm not in control. I guess using the double negative, I really hate to be misunderstood. I hate when I think that someone doesn't get me or, or mistook me or is angry or upset. Like I like to be in control of my you know, quote unquote destiny. I like to know what's going on and to be able to affect change. And so there is something that is really necessary in my life. Very pride killing, very important to remind me of my place in the hierarchy of universal existence that I am not in control. I am not the ultimate authority in my life. I am not the one who is all glorious and all powerful, but I rely on and worship and trust in the one who is. And so for me, Remembering God's sovereignty is so important. Whether I'm in a midst of a time that I'm struggling with a lack of control or whether I'm in a time where I'm probably trying to control a little too much, reminding myself of who God really is in the grand scale of things is incredibly important for me.
1: What did it look like this week for you to praise him for that? So You've identified his sovereignty as the characteristic that you want to meditate on what did it look like for you to take that next step to praise him or maybe just remembering is praising
0: yeah i think remembering can be prayer is huge for me especially if i'm struggling with a physical manifestation of struggling with lack of control so if i'm worried about something put it that way or or anxious about something that i'm out of control in part of praising god is saying you know forcing myself as much as i want to just say god fix this for me god do it my way Part of praising him, I think, is just being thankful that he knows what's best and literally praying to him, singing to him, thanking him that he knows what's going on far more than I do, that he has me in his hands no matter what, that he has a plan, he has a purpose, he has providence, and I don't need to know those things for them to be true.
1: The second thing you asked us to do, you suggested we praise God this week for something God can do, not only something about his character, but something he can do. So same question. How did you personally apply that one?
0: Yeah, this one is kind of personal, I guess, in the sense that there's been some friends of mine or people that I know in a couple different circles that have been going through some really rough times that have been wronged, in my opinion, at least and in some of theirs by other people. And so what I was finding myself praising God for this week is that he is the God that can change hearts, that he is the God that can fix scenarios like that. Oftentimes, I think it's easy for us to want to pray protection for someone who's being wronged. And I think that's great. And I think we absolutely should do that. But I think it's also important to pray that God will change the heart of the person doing the wrong because God cares about them and wants their heart as well. And so again, in the same kind of vein of trusting in God's sovereignty in areas I'm not in control, I find myself really helpless when I have some a friend or a loved one who's going through a rough time, whether because something's happened or in this case, because someone's doing something wrong to them that can be really hard for me to deal with. And so it's a reminder, again, God can change the hearts. God can protect those people. God can help them through it, but he can also change the heart of the person who's doing the wrong. And so again, it's a reminder in prayer. It's a reminder in worship that God had to change my own heart and God has to change all of our hearts, all of us who follow him now or who have chosen to to trust in Christ for salvation. There is a heart change there at some point.
1: It's interesting that those two are, connected you Mm -hmm. praise him for his sovereignty and then praise him for what he can do change hearts and why can he change hearts because he's sovereign and he's powerful and he's glorious and those two are very much connected i noticed well finally you suggested that we praise god this week for something that god has promised he will do so same question again
0: yeah i'm gonna cheat on this one and do two Um, that's
1: not acceptable (laughs) i know we'll edit one out
0: take one out no matter what yeah a big cry on my heart and, and this is repetitive on this podcast i'm sure at this point and even when I'm, you know, leading music at the church or whatever. But the big one that keeps coming to mind is that he will send his son, that Christ will return as he has promised to do that call of even so come Lord Jesus. It is so easy to be bogged down by the negativity that when one thing starts to seemingly be going right, something else happens. I mean, we don't have to think very hard or look very far to know that that's the reality and that we as a world as a species are in need of a savior uh, to come and make things right and so that's been a big overarching one for me and to praise him looks like being filled with hope for that and not a wishful thinking hope but a assurance of hope that christ is coming in the more day-to-day the second one is the praise that god has promised to give wisdom when we ask from the, the beginning of james Because again, going back to all of these scenarios, all these things I've talked about, I like to think I'm smarter than I am at some points. And I like to be in control. And there's a lot of times where that leads to me feeling completely helpless. And I need God's wisdom because I find myself in situations that Andrew's wisdom and his 30 years experience is not enough for the situation I'm in. and, And all I can do is rely on God's wisdom, whether it's what to say, when to say it, when to just shut up and listen, I am in in desperate need of the God who is far wiser than I am, far more knowledgeable than I am. And so I praise God that he has promised to give us wisdom. And I've seen the ways that it happens. And there's times that I clearly don't rely enough because I'm still putting my foot in my mouth. And yet, again, it's an important reminder here. I guess that's the theme here for me is I like to praise God for things that I maybe suck at sometimes or I maybe struggle with. I need to, that's a, it's that solid reminder of, why I need him. I'm praising him because I need what he has to offer.
1: So God is sovereign. God can change hearts. God will give wisdom and God will send his son again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is fodder for praise right there to ascribe glory and power to the God who has an infinite amount of both Mm -hmm. right there. Well, thanks, Andrew, for walking us through this psalm yet again and preaching for us so faithfully on Sunday. I'm wondering, we don't normally do this, but if we could close today by reading the psalm. Actually reading Psalm 29, it's not long and it just encapsulates so much, obviously so much of what we're talking about today. It is the perfect articulation of this desire. So maybe we'll close that way if you'd read it for us.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Actually, just a quick sidebar in here that I actually did the same on Sunday morning. You would know that we connect with all the people who are serving either on the platform or up in the sound booth on Sunday morning before service to make sure we're all on the same page. And I took a moment to just say, let me just read a part of this, because we're going to sing this song that the team had just finished rehearsing, the song we were going to end with or close with, and said, this is why we're singing this song, because of the words in this text. What a great opportunity to praise God together. It says this, Psalm 29, Ascribe to the Lord, sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon in pieces. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple... Everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people
1: with peace. Amen. That is our God, the God we serve, the God who saves us, and the God who deserves all worship. Listener, thanks for joining us today. We pray that this has been helpful for you, and we pray that you would find even this week that God is certainly worthy of your worship and praise. Grace and peace to you and yours. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.